You're listening to A Step Forward, episode 14. Welcome to A Step Forward, a podcast for orientation and mobility specialists. I'm your host, Cassie Maloney. Orientation and mobility specialists are changing the way that people with visual impairments view themselves, view their world, and are able to travel in the most independent way possible. Join me every week for simple how-to strategies and inspiring conversations that will help you get from where you are to where you want to be. If you're ready, we're about to rock and roll. Let's take a step forward. Welcome back. I'm so glad that you're here. In this episode, we are going to be chatting about the biggest predictions and trends that I see happening across our field for 2020. And some of them might surprise you. And in fact, I'm going to go as far to say that you're not going to agree with all of them. And that's okay. I'd still love for you to listen and let me know what you think at the end. Before we get into today's episode, I'm just going to come right out and say it. I've been sick for two weeks. And so you might hear a little bit of that in my voice. And that's totally fine. When we decided to host a podcast. It wasn't only to host a podcast when cast felt amazing and like when, you know, the sun was shining and birds were chirping and unicorns were roaming the world. It was to provide value to you. So you might hear it in my voice for the next couple episodes. That's totally fine. We're just going to roll with it. While 2019 was such a fantastic year, tell me it wasn't. I mean, I know that there's a lot of strife going on in the world, but overall, we are doing really well, my friends. Our entire profession continues to grow and grow and grow. We keep getting new people into this profession who have a new way of looking at things. And overall, not only this past year, but this past decade, and let's just say it, this past century, have been really great for us as orientation and mobility specialists. But we're not just looking at the past today. We're not even looking at the past at all. We're just looking at the future. And hopefully you can take this information and stay on top of the trends as they're coming down the pipe. I keep messing up those words. Pipe, pike, whatever. I'm going to try to say the word pipe when I refer to this. Because As orientation and mobility specialists, you want to be on that leading edge, on that forefront of what's coming up, what to expect so that way you know where to put your energy. And luckily, I'm in a position where I get to talk to orientation mobility specialists around the world on a daily basis, and I get to see what they're struggling with, what they have going on, how things are for them, and it really helps me have like this little eagle-eye view of our profession. And so I'm just going to share that with you. And hopefully you can take this information into the new year and feel inspired and excited to take the actions that you need to take to make your life better and easier and your students to lead more independent, successful and fulfilling lives. So the very first one that seems really simple, but has so many nuances is that cities are getting more complex and more accessible at the same time. Here in the United States since 1990, we've had the ADA laws. You might have noticed that there are curves in places where there aren't curves anymore. Sometimes you kind of get to an intersection and you're like, what were they thinking? 
why is there like one ramp that goes out to nowhere and like the other side doesn't have a ramp and like you know city planners and construction workers and everybody they're just trying to do their best to retrofit our landscape and the way that our cities are planned into what we had before which was not all of these regulations but they are getting more complex they're getting more complex in that we now have situations where you have to cross a bike lane that feels like a street to get to a bus stop and <laughs> you're like wait what did the bus stop it just used to be a bench on the corner or like a pole like since when do i have to line up at this newly formed area to cross a bike lane to get to the bus stop well it happens now you also have new roadway designs including roundabouts traffic chokers pedestrian relief islands, all of those things are now more commonplace and they're really complex to navigate. If you or your students don't have the skills to navigate them, it can feel really overwhelming when you go to an intersection that, you know, maybe in June was one way and then you get there in August to start teaching and you're like, oh, well, this is new. There's, you know, something new there. They've changed things around. They're literally putting roundabouts in areas in Austin, like to this day, where you'll go to an intersection to teach. And if you didn't know that that was being planned, I mean, maybe it's been a couple months since you've been there, which is pretty normal, right? You may not go to the same intersection every single week. And you get there and you're like, oh, BT Dubs, this is not a four-way crossing anymore. This is now a traffic circle. Great. So wanna learn about that today? <laughs> and if you as the O&M specialists don't have those skills to be able to say like, so you want to learn about that today? It can really throw us off our game. So one thing that we need to be doing as O&M specialists is to stay on top of that and just make sure that we know what's going on in our city, where the new developments are coming up and what is being planned and what is happening. You also have in intersections what's called an exclusive pedestrian phase. And that is a part of the cycle that you might notice that all the cars have a red light and they all have to stop. This is for lighted intersections and typically for very complex lighted intersections. I don't think we even have one of these in Austin, but I know that in places like Boston, Massachusetts, they probably have one. In New York, they probably have one. I know that they have them in Tokyo and other places in Asia as well. But during this exclusive pedestrian phase, all the pedestrians walk in all directions. So if you've always been teaching your students to always go with parallel, always go with parallel, in that situation, they may not be able to go with parallel. And then also they might hear people walking in both ways, parallel, perpendicular, and diagonal. So it's really important if you live in a bigger city that you stay on top of these things just in case it starts to happen around you. And so if you're thinking, this is not happening where I'm at. We have other situations, like we're in a rural area. There's some aspect of it that is happening within your area. So I would urge you to have just better collaboration between yourself, your team members, if you have any other orientation mobility specialists around you, and the city planners. Get to know them if possible. See if there's a way that maybe you can go to a traffic engineer conference or see if there's a way that you can just get to know these people in general so that way you can start building that relationship with them 
you know who to call if and when something does start to come up. Even if it's as simple as, hey, this hawk light, people aren't actually stopping for it. Hawk, H-A-W-K, hawk, light. I know we had an instance here in Austin where they installed a hawk light system and after like three or four years, I mean years, people still were not stopping and it was still a really, really dangerous place for our students to cross and people with visual impairments in general. So I wasn't the one, but other members of the O&M team in Austin, they worked with the city planners and the traffic engineers to devise a timing system that would increase the probability of safety for our students. It didn't take out the hawk light. It didn't have any real negative repercussions on the drivers. It was just that they needed to reprogram it so that our people who are blind or visually impaired could get across in a timely manner and not get hit. So the second prediction that I have is that our caseloads are going to become more and more diverse. You've probably seen this across the board if you've been in O&M for many years. You've noticed that not only has our profession increased who we serve, but for the amount of people in the geriatric community who aren't working, that are getting services is going to continue to increase. And that's for a couple different reasons. Across the board, I'm seeing younger orientation and mobility specialists really, really fighting for these populations. Unfortunately, sometimes who that person is, their age, and where they're trying to get to or their needs don't align with the purpose of the foundation or the agency that's providing the money. And so then we have a mismatch in what the O&M specialist is allowed to provide and what the student needs. And sometimes what we've seen in the past is that there's like this huge loophole or gap where all of these people who need services just fall into that loophole. And they can't get services because either it's a veterans association agency providing the workforce money, but the person who's over 65 and just losing their vision isn't going to work. And so there's a mismatch between the purpose of how that money needs to be spent and the person, the student's needs. We've also had situations where students haven't before qualified for orientation and mobility because it wasn't part of their FAPE, their fair and appropriate public education. So technically that money did not need to go to the O&M specialist in the school system because the O&M services didn't directly impact the student's ability to travel on campus. So whereas before, you know, people just fell into this loophole and kind of just stayed there, now because we've had so much advocacy happening, we're able to get these people out of the loopholes and we're really starting to broaden who we serve. And there's also been a lot of legislature put into place for that. And I have to thank all of the people who've gone out of their way to do that aspect. That's not something that I would be able to do. I have no idea how to even go about that. But because there are now laws in place in some states here in the United States, we have a certain precedent that we are starting to set that basically says you don't have to be able-bodied, able-minded to receive services. You need to be a person. 
with a need of independence and travel. And we're starting to see that every single person, whether they can walk, whether they're going to work or not, they all deserve that. On top of all of that, there's been at least a 16% increase in disabilities over the past decade. Now you could argue the reasons behind that with the medical community, but nonetheless, we are seeing increase in disabilities in general, like all across the board. So pairing those two together, I think you are going to see your caseload, however diverse it is right now, it's going to become even more diverse. And as you know, as an orientation and mobility specialist, you know that you have to have like your hands in all of the subjects of O&M, you're gonna really need to be able to reach your hands out a little bit more and be able to gather information in so many different aspects in order to serve your students to the very best of your ability, to serve them in a way that really increases their independence and their level of success and their level of fulfillment in their lives. Okay, so the third one is really interesting, y'all. I really have thought about this one a lot. And if there's any of them that I think that you might not agree with me on, it's probably this one. But what I see coming down the pipe, <laughs> down the pipe, golly, someone tell me if I'm right or wrong about that. What I see coming <laughs> is the rise of the micro-influencer on Instagram specifically. Now hear me out because I can hear you in my head saying like, but Cass, I'm not on Instagram. Not everybody's on Instagram or Instagram isn't for people with visual impairments or Instagram is for this person or whatever. Let me tell you that Instagram, since it has been purchased by Facebook and even as of today, when you open up your Instagram app, it says specifically Instagram by Facebook on there. Facebook is making Instagram more accessible. Facebook wants for Instagram to be able to reach a wider variety of people, not just millennials. Although remember millennials are, we're now in our thirties y'all. So like prominent members of this generation, but not just like the young kids. I'm not saying that we're all going to hip hop on TikTok. <laughs> we're leaving that in there. We're not all going to hip hop on over to TikTok, which I'm sure you know, maybe when we do this episode in 2030, <laughs> that might be the case. <laughs> For now, what I'm saying is that there are a lot of really, really great orientation and mobility specialists, teacher of the visually impaired parents, all putting out fantastic content on Instagram. And if you just search the hashtag orientation and mobility or TVI or CVI, you will start to see that these people are brilliant and this is what they're doing in their fun time. But Instagram posts are becoming more like mini blogs. They give a tiny little insight about either orientation and mobility or paths to literacy has so many great things on there or different ideas that you can do. There are a lot of TVIs that put, you know, maybe their tactile maps or their lesson plans or just really, really fun content on Instagram. And you don't have to be really young to use Instagram. You don't have to have 2020 vision to use Instagram. They now have alt text. And I think, although I don't use voiceover with Instagram on a personal 
daily basis, but I think that most people in our community are using the alt text. So even if you have a visual impairment, you'll be able to see the images, but more than that, the captions are really, really insightful. So I would suggest that you hop on over to Instagram. Just check them out. There are too many people to list right here. Um, I will do my best to list some in our show notes if you want to be able to go follow some of the people that I follow because I get inspiration from them all daily. Absolutely daily. The fourth prediction that I see is that we as professionals are becoming more sophisticated. And I don't necessarily mean like more complex or more like we have to drink tea with our pinkies up. But I just mean that we're no longer going to put up with people saying things like, that's the way we've always done it, or I've always done it this way. And, you know, and then the thing that they want to say, or, you know, that they imply is, and that's why I'm right in not doing things your way. If you've been saying, that's the way we've always done things, that's no longer going to be acceptable. Very, very, very soon. As soon as you have somebody fresh out of university coming to work with you, they are not going to put up with that because they know how fast things have changed because they can see the difference in the way that the older populations are doing things and the way that they are, have been taught to do things are so different. And granted, we all have the ability to learn from each other. I'm not saying that people from university are like, are smarter, no more, better in any sort of way. I'm just saying that they are living in the gap between what even people when I went to school were taught and then what they are being taught. Oftentimes, I will tell you, when I've had interns, I learned so much from them because they are literally coming out of the gate a eager. They are not jaded. They are so excited to be doing this day in and day out on days when even I would be like, mm, not feeling it today. They're so excited still. And that excitement needs to be captured and harnessed and like lit on fire even more. They can teach us a lot from the people that I've seen coming out from universities. They are so smart, y'all. And granted, they have a lot to learn. They don't always have the experience. And if you are listening to this and you're in your first year and you're like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know everything. But the fact that you're willing to learn and you're willing to take guidance, you know, it goes both ways. So I think that we're becoming more sophisticated and that we are not interested in doing things the way that we've always done them. We're interested in doing things better. We want things to be more efficient. We do not want to waste our time. We do not want to spend our entire lives at work. I've done it before. My first year, I was working full-time. I was finishing up my master's, and I had magically put myself in a situation where I had to write my 20-page paper for my thesis before I learned how to write my 10-page paper. It was a fun year, let me tell you. And after that year, I remember literally not knowing what to do with myself. And I would still stay at work because I literally, I had no idea who I was outside of work. But I think that those days are changing and for the better. We are more cognizant 
and more specific and more strategic, not only about who we teach, but how we teach them and how we spend our time planning and what we are willing to do in order to be the best professionals. And I think that there's a way that we can do it without burning ourselves out. And in fact, it's one of my missions is to help you to be the absolute best professional that you can be and still go home to your family because really that's the most important part. So if you think about an example of where people have said, this is the way we've always done things and then it come back to bite them, They just weren't looking outside of their own box. They weren't checking their blind sites. They weren't questioning why they do things. Just look at Apple. So for so long in the tech industry, accessibility was the afterthought. Microsoft computers didn't come with accessibility options. And therefore, we had to seek accessibility options elsewhere. And because of supply and demand, those accessibility options were pretty expensive. Then Apple said, you know, we don't prescribe to the quote, that's the way that we've always done things. So they went and they made accessibility options absolutely embedded in their products. And look what happened. Now, Microsoft and Google are spending millions upon millions of dollars to try to catch up to Apple because they didn't do the research beforehand. They were just doing things as they had always done things. And because Apple said, "Mm, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to put accessibility into our products so that it's a native feature in our products. And bam, anytime my students need technology, to me, I always recommend Apple. I know it's a price difference, and that's a whole other thing we can look at as to why there's a price difference and why people are willing to pay more, but you're eventually going to end up paying the same or end up wasting your time trying to figure out the newest version of this, the newest version of that, and is this compatible with ABC? I think another way that we are becoming more sophisticated is that we're really honing in on what we spend our time on, what we're willing and not willing to basically waste our time on as professionals, especially in the professional development world. I love you all. And I say this with, you know, my whole heart. If we were standing in person, I would say this to your face. Do not care about your scientific study. I don't care if it's normed. You can write that on a blog and I will scan it or I will control F and find all the numbers. What I want to see if I'm going to cancel my students and spend my most precious commodity, my time, with you. I want to see not that you're doing a presentation because you have to, because you did a study on it. I want to see that you are doing a presentation because your heart is in it. I don't care about your scientific data. I care about your experience. And most of all, I care that you are willing to solve my problems because people standing in front of a room presenting on their dissertation doesn't solve my problems. But if it's presented in a way that shows me that the person understands what I'm going through, the issues that I face, 
I mean, even if it's like, I'm throwing out like a ridiculous example, right? We wouldn't actually, I mean, we could do a presentation topic on this, but it could be like, hey, here is how not to spill your coffee on yourself in your car because you're trying to eat your breakfast and drink your coffee. Cool, I'll go to that. So I think overall we're getting more sophisticated. We're also looking at where are we going to also spend our money? What's important to us? How does this benefit me in the long run? And is it worth it? I mean, there are people, you listening right now might say, you know, even the symposium to me right now is not worth it. It all just depends on what you need and what you think is going to benefit you. I think also going on that, educational agencies or associations have tried to be the hero in the story of your lives. And I'm not the hero in your life. Any educational agency or resource, they are not the hero. You, the one doing the work, you are the hero. And I think as a profession, once we realize that the people, the O&M specialists, are the ones that need to be lifted up, not the agency, not the entity. That's when we're going to really see a major shift in our profession. And even if it's just a higher retention rate, because people are happier, because they feel what they've known inside all along, and it's not that everybody else is the expert and I know nothing, it's that all the other entities out there are here to empower me to be the best version of myself because that's all that we're here to do. You are more than capable of solving it on your own. And I think that as a profession, O&M specialists worldwide are really tuning into that. Okay, okay. So my last one, I think this one is so fun. Number five is the rise of rideshare. Now, if you live in a smaller city and you say, Cass, I don't have a chair, right? Like, stop talking to the big cities. So hear me out, okay? Because rideshare is Uber, Lyft, here in Austin, we have a couple other ones. But there are other smaller entities that do, like, granny rideshare, or they focus specifically on students with multiple impairments. If you can teach your students how to use rideshare in some way, even if it's teaching them how to hire a driver and then they split that ride with other people, that's rideshare. And so I think that we're going to have less dependency on hiring one specific driver or having to take the bus everywhere or having to rely so much on people with sight to take us to the places but I think that we are seeing an increase in ride share opportunities. And I also think that even if you are in a smaller town and you have to figure out your own way to have your student make their own, you know, not ride share company, of course, but to split rides with their friends or pay other people to drive them and drive other people. I think just having the ability to have the concept of what a rideshare is has helped our students exponentially. And just allowing them to feel more like they have more of the world at their fingertips, because they do. And it's a lot easier to get around. 
So if you haven't been using Rideshare with your students, I wonder if it's because of a couple reasons. One, you aren't comfortable with it in yourself. One thing that we've noticed across the board is that if you don't do something yourself, you're probably going to shy away from it doing it with your student. Remember the first time maybe you got on a city bus and if you had, you know, a bad experience on the city bus or you weren't sure about city buses before, it might have taken you a minute to dip your toes in, unless you're one of these like super exuberant people and they're like super excited about it. Kind of think about it like that. Same thing with any technology. Until you feel comfortable or confident with it, it can be hard to push yourself and to really make yourself do it and really encourage your students to do it. If you aren't familiar with it, I would get on it. I've had the best teaching experience just this year using Rideshare because where my student's school is located, it's literally at the intersection of two highways. And I was like, oh, no, that's not safe. He's not ready for that, you know? And while they originally wanted me to drive him in my own car, they finally came around and said, okay, we can pay for Rideshare, which has been fantastic. And what I've noticed is that when I go other places or me just using it here in my own hometown by myself on my own, my personal life, things happen that I wouldn't expect to happen. And then when they win, not if, but when they happen with my student, I can say, oh yeah, no big deal. So for example, like I was out and about, I don't know where I was going. I was meeting my husband somewhere and I took a ride share to go meet him and the driver canceled. Like, okay, cool. But I wouldn't have known what to do or how to navigate the conversation as the expert when my student had that experience if I hadn't had that experience. So the other day, my student and I went and we got pizza and, I don't know, we called rideshare and then they canceled. And it was just like, okay, it's not a big deal. I knew that another one would be coming up soon. And you know what's so funny is that these towns that have rideshare have probably always had taxis, but I wouldn't have taken a taxi to go meet my husband, but I definitely would take rideshare. So here are some examples of how you can start using rideshare in your own life. I would first start just using it yourself and children who don't ride in car seats. If you have children who ride in car seats, you can definitely take them on rideshare. I'm not going to say that you can't, but you'll want to bring the car seat with you. Or you might also want to look into Uber Family. If they have that in your city, they might have a car seat. If you're very particular about the car seat that your child goes in, just bring it with you and just plan around it. You can usually drop your car seat off at customer service desk. I'm sure Target takes them, Walmart. Grocery stores will um, hold them for you as well. Call ahead, of course. Do your soliciting assistance stuff. And then some other ideas, you know, just take it to small places. It doesn't have to be that far away. If you take it like a mile, it might be six, seven dollars. Not that big of a deal. Maybe you just go to the ice cream store around the corner just so you have that experience. It doesn't have to be anything big. I would also encourage your students' families to just start using this and allow your student to experience what it's like when their families, you know, use it or go places. And that way they have a little bit more control in their lives and in their own independence. I know for my students, so we went out to this 
cute little pizza place. And I was sitting down while he was eating and I said, man, how did you find this place? Granted, like I was at the lesson when he planned it. And he said, I didn't find it. Google found it. But now he has the ability to just look up places on Google and map where they are and feel like he can get to those places. For this student in particular, we're really finding some learned helplessness around work and worth in general because his family has done a lot for him for his whole life. It's just their culture. But now I can say, well, no, look, if you can make it to a pizza place on your own, you can make it to work. Like it diminishes his obstacles in his own head. Okay, so there you have it, my five biggest predictions and trends for 2020. I think cities are going to get more complex and more accessible at the same time, which is going to make it so that you're going to want to collaborate with your city planners and your traffic engineers. I think your caseloads are going to get more diverse. We've got a 16% increase in disabilities over the past decade, and it's not stopping there. We've been advocating a lot as a profession to increase the types of students that we serve and for making really good headway. And I think that's just going to continue. We've got the rise of the micro-influencer on Instagram. And I highly suggest you just go check out Instagram, search the hashtag orientation and mobility, search the hashtag TVI, CBI, you know, look up all of your favorite places, see if they have an Instagram, because it's really fun. I think also Instagram is just more fun than Facebook in my Facebook world, right? Not in the topic at all because I only see what algorithm shows me, but there's a lot of complaining on Facebook and there isn't really that much complaining on Instagram. <laughs> I think also we are becoming more sophisticated professionals. And with that, as we become more sophisticated, I think in future years, we'll see some trends with educational agencies trying to keep up with us. And I think that that's a really good thing that everybody caters to our needs as O&M specialists and not only who we serve, but how we serve them. And then finally, there is a rise of ride share services, granny pickups, Uber family. I mean, the options are now endless. You can always use that information that you've learned and how to ride ride share and then help your students set up their own ride share driver services with their friends so that they can you know split the rides split gas venmo each other all that jazz what are the kids using these days is it even still venmo not paypal cash app there's probably some other ones that i don't know about all right friend so that's what i've got for you today i hope you're having a fantastic holiday season if you're listening to this as the episode airs if you want to catch up with me please feel free to do so. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's what helps all of our podcasts get listed so that when people search for us, other ones that have our same names don't come up first. So I think we're still in the area where like you have to like really search for our full name, a step forward for orientation and mobility specialists in order for it even to pull up or play or anything like that. And the way that they know that people like it is through a review. So if you would leave us a review. I would absolutely love it. You can find that link on our website. And then also, if you want to come and hang out with me on Instagrams, it is my personal at Cassie, K-A-S-S-Y Maloney, M-A-L-O-N-E-Y. All right. Bye for now. Talk to you soon.